What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Well, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today, we're going to talk about sacrifice for God. Are we offering to God that which cost us nothing? It's a hard lesson, folks. And uh, before we get started, I'll turn my attention to the comments. Good to see everybody. And uh, Shauna Lockney, or Lonke, and uh, Gwen Cooper, Loretta Simon, Jonathan Exum. Good evening, everyone. Uh, caught the tail end of Jonathan's uh, exit. And uh, looks like we got a lot of prayer requests and stuff like that. And uh, that's good. It's always nice to have folks all over the world pray for you. Uh, Johnny Bonaparte, good to see you. And uh, Christine Woodall, good to see you. And Mercy, good evening, Brother Tony, she says. Good evening to you. I can't, I can't get me really set like I want to. I think the problem is I don't, I don't look as good as I think I need to look anyway. Here we are. Hello, Henry McClure. Hope you and Leslie are doing well. So as we get into this, I want to kind of introduce it and by uh, introduce it by uh, putting you. Well, I guess not in remembrance. Yeah, I don't know. You may have heard me say this before. You may have heard me not. The Northeast Arkansas Lectureship, the very first one I co-directed with Brock Kendall and um, Orville McClure. And uh, I, I kind of come up with the topics, and, and I was I had played an integral role in the assignment of those topics. I remember one gospel preacher, Kenny Townsley, we gave him a topic of something to do with a conflict resolution in the Lord's church. That's not how we put it. Now, I don't remember his topic, but I will forever remember his sermon. I don't know if he came up with this or if he got it from somewhere else. But every problem that the Lord's church faces would be solved if four things were present. We had elders that lead deacons that serve, preachers who preach, and members who seek. Now, understand, though, that this is, this is a way to remember and to organize a lesson. Elders, deacons, and preachers, all three are members and must all seek. However, elders play a different role than deacons. Deacons play a different role than elders, and elders and deacons play a different role than a gospel preacher. Right, than, than, than an evangelist, uh, a located preacher, as, as we have coined the term in modernity. If these four things were established, then there would be no problem in the Lord's church. There wouldn't be any bickering. There wouldn't be any infighting. You wouldn't have these problems that arise during certain times of the year with holidays and stuff like that because everybody would be seeking the Word of God Everybody would be looking to grow in the Word of God, in their knowledge of the Word of God, in their application of the Word of God, and everyone would be hyper-focused on that and hyper-focused on the work and doing the work, and they wouldn't have time to bicker and argue. 
They wouldn't have time to do anything that, quite frankly, you're not supposed to do. Idle hands are the devil's tool. Um, now, I thought about this from this point. There's a verse, and I'm going to read it. It's 2 Samuel chapter 24. And the king said unto Aruna, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Now, what's that have to do with elders who lead, deacons who serve, preachers who preach, and members who seek? You've heard me mention this before. I'll probably mention it many more times before I die, both from the pulpit locally and from broadcasts that I do. The reason we have so many Christians that are not producing fruit, as incidentally is commanded in John chapter 15, is because we are passing out resurrections without first requiring a sacrifice. We're passing out resurrections without first requiring a sacrifice. You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore before, uh, 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 well, but I beseech you therefore by the Lord Jesus Christ that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's your service that you're able to reason out from what you have learned of the scripture. Now, in, in a hyper-focused way in the context, that goes back to Romans chapter 6. Present your body to be baptized into Christ. You have to kill that old man of sin. You have to put him to death, metaphorically. Then what do we do? Well, we metaphorically bury them. And the metaphor that is used is, is, a, is a physical act of baptism. And then we metaphorically resurrect that man, but he's clean. It's a new birth. He was sacrificed. We, our life is given to us by Jesus because of his death on the cross. We sin and we are separated from God, so we want to be reconciled to God. So we take that old man of sin, we put him to death, and we build or, or we bury dead bodies. Then that body is raised up and is to walk in newness of life. So we give it back to Jesus. It's no longer our own. So I'm offering to God that which cost me nothing. Is it just as easy for us to be a Christian than it is to not? For elders, is it just as easy for you to be an elder as it is for you not? For deacons, is it just as easy for you to be a deacon as it is for you to not? For preachers, is it just as easy for you to be a preacher as it is for you to not? Christians, members as a whole, is it just as easy for you to be a member as it is for you to not? If the answer is yes, then we need to take a long, hard, introspective look at ourselves. And we need to wonder what we're doing. A lot of times I'll make this challenge. I'll make it publicly and I'll make it face to face where folks are looking at me right in the eye and they have a chance to come to me after the sermon and have it out. I'll say, when's the last time? You got persecuted because of your Christianity, because of your convictions in Christ Jesus. If you have to think too hard about that, 
then maybe you need to reevaluate your loyalty to Christ. Maybe you need to reevaluate how you're walking down this Christian path or whether you're walking it at all. You see, my brother James, he writes that friendship with the world is enmity with God. And if the world finds you very, very acceptable and friendly, then it may be that you're at odds with God. We don't offer to God that which cost us nothing. Now, let's go to the text. Connie Barton says, no, it is not as easy to be a Christian as it is not to be. It's not as easy to be a true Christian as it is not to be. That's for sure. Christianity is not convenient. Now, let's go. This, this, this text, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you the overview of what happens. And then I'm going to read this text. Basically, David gets it in his head that he's going to number the people. He's going to, he, want, he wants to take a census. He goes to his advisor. His advisor says, hey, don't you, why do you want to do this? And the reason is not given, but, we can, but the reason is kind of inferred from the implication. And God is displeased and sends three, gives him an option of three punishments. David takes one, and in order to alleviate this punishment, in order to absolve himself and the land from this sin that he's committed, he has to go make a sacrifice at this threshing floor of a man named Ornan. I think it's Ornan in, uh, in, in, in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, and it's Aruna in 2 Samuel, or 1 Samuel chapter 1, or chapter 24. Anyway, so you'll hear me say Aruna and, Ar- and, and, and Ornan throughout, and I'll, I'll interchange them, and I don't mean to be confusing. Let's go to First Chronicles. Read with me, and I'm going to draw some parallels from our lives and our Christian walk and to what David experienced here. And we're going to make this point and talk a little bit more about offering to God that which cost us nothing. And this is First Chronicles starting in chapter 21, verse 1. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said unto Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered, The Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they, but my lord the king, are they not all my lord's servants? Why then doth my lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Wherefore Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people unto David. And all they of Israel were a thousand, thousand, and a hundred thousand men that drew the sword. And Judah was four hundred threescore and ten thousand men that drew the sword. But Levi and Benjamin counted he not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David 
said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. All right, so let's put a let's put a peg there. Every one of us who are of the age of accountability, who have obeyed the gospel, have come to the same realization that David came to on this. I have done very foolishly. You know, I told you about uh, the the commentary on redeeming the time because the days are evil in Ephesians chapter 5. Before you were baptized, you were wasting God's time. Now that you're baptized, you need to make up for lost time. Every one of us have come to that conclusion, that realization. I have done very foolishly. I understand if I don't change my ways, if I don't change my situation, I'm going to spend an eternity in hell, and I don't want to do that. And you may have prayed to God, take away this, um, well, uh, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. So do away with the iniquity that I am suffering from right now. What do you require of me, Lord? All right. Every one of us have come to this realization. Think about that as you're listening to this text. Think about the day you realized that you needed the blood of Christ. Now let's go. So David asked, what what would you have me do that we can do away with this iniquity? And the Lord spake unto Gad, David's seer, that's his prophet, saying, Go tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So Gad came to David and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Choose, choose thee, either three years of famine or three months to be destroyed before thy foes, while that the sword of thine enemies overtaketh thee, or else three days the sword of the Lord, even the pestilence in the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coast of Israel. Now therefore advise thyself what word I shall bring again to him that sent me. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord. For very great are the mercies, are his mercies, but let me not fall into the hand of man. So, just like David, you and I have come to that realization that we need help to do away with the iniquity that we have done. We beseeched God, what do we do? Now, we weren't given three choices. We were just given one. And just like David, we realized We need to throw ourselves not at the tender mercies of some man-made religion, not at the tender mercies of some man-made societal norms, but we need to fall upon the tender mercies of God Almighty. And we need to do what God tells us to do. So hopefully you and I obeyed the gospel. Hopefully we submitted our bodies to be buried to be raised again to walk in newness of life. Hopefully we sacrificed ourselves to God so we could be resurrected to walk in newness of life. Now with that in mind, let's keep reading in the text. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there fell of 
Israel 70,000 men. And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld. And he repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough. Stay now thy hand. And and the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. The Jebusite, the Jebusites were people from Jebus. Okay. This would be Jerusalem in the future. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and heaven, a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said unto God, Is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that have sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people, that they should be plagued. Here David, hopefully, did the, or excuse me, we hopefully have done the same thing in our journey as David did here. We took responsibility for our own actions. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 4. If thou do well, will it not be accepted of thee? And if thou doest not well, then sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. In other words, you have to take responsibility for your own actions. Why are you wroth? Why is your countenance fallen, Cain? If you do well, it'll be accepted of you. If you do not well, you are going to enter into a copulative relationship with sin, the progeny of which is chaos and death. We have to take responsibility for our own actions. I've said this before. This is all material you've heard before. When I first started watching Dr. Phil before he got kind of nuts, this was back in the 90s, maybe the early 90s. I can't remember. I was young. He always talked about why you're doing something. And he always focused on self-responsibility. And he always would ask the question, how's that working for you? The implication of how's that working for you is to, is to get you to, hey, these actions that I'm taking, they have consequences. They affect my day-to-day life. You know, think about, you know, if, you, if you're a man and you like stepping out on your wife, hey, how's that working for you? Well, I can't sleep at night. I'm worn out. I can't keep track of the lies I'm telling. I'm stressed. I'm getting aged before my time. I'm, I'm having fun in the moment, but man, my life is kind of a, kind of a hell. Yeah. How's that working for you? Why, why is my life so bad? Well, it's your fault. It's because of the choices that you've made. Well, how can we do away with this mind iniquity? Well, you've got to repent. You've got to turn to God and you've got to bring forth fruit meat for repentance. It's formulaic. And man, people in the world don't like hearing that. But it is, is it not? Coming to God is always formulaic. Repent. Change your mind about what you're doing. This iniquity that you've done, David, you did iniquity when you numbered the people. Well, I changed my mind about it, God. 
good. That's repentance. All right, what do I do that we can do away with this iniquity? That's bringing forth fruit meat for repentance. Repent, then you do it. You turn to God. Well, actually, in the New Covenant, the turning to God is the watery grave of baptism. In David's time, he said, hey, I'm repented. I, I don't, I've done it. I've done this stupid stuff. God, what should I do? So he turned to God when he said, God, what shall I do? And then the prophet came and said, well, you got these three choices. And then he beseeches him further and says, look, these people of the kingdom, they didn't do this. I did. Let me take responsibility for it. That is how we come to God today. No, we don't do the, exactly the same thing, but it takes a, a certain amount of self-responsibility. We've got to understand that we are responsible for the heaven or hell on earth in which we live. No, I don't believe heaven's on earth. No, I don't believe hell is on earth. I'm speaking metaphorically. Trust me, when you live a life of sin and depravity, it is a certain kind of hell, and it is of our own making when we do that. David wanted to offer to God something, so David offered himself. Let me tell you something. That would have cost him, would it not? You're right, Deborah. That's why David was a man after God's own heart. Now, verse 18. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David, that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of Gad, and he spake in the name of the Lord, which he spake in the name of the Lord, sorry. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel with his four sons with him, uh, hid himself, and his four sons with him hid themselves, hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it me for the full price that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said unto David, Take it unto thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee oxen also for burnt offerings, and the threshing instruments for wood, and the wheat for the meat offering. I give it all. And king, and king David said unto Ornan, Nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price. For I will not take that which is mine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. We read the, that verse in 1 Samuel 24. I will not offer to God that which cost me nothing. Now think about it. What did God tell him to do? God told him to go build an altar at the threshing floor and offer this burnt sacrifice. God did not stipulate anything about who was to pay for it. I think maybe 
just maybe we fall into this trap when it comes to obeying the gospel. Remember, the answer to the question of why are there so many Christians who are not producing fruit is because we are passing out resurrections and requiring no sacrifice. We are passing out resurrections and requiring no crucifixions. We're passing out resurrections and requiring no death. Christianity is to cost us something. We cannot give to God that which cost us nothing. Because then it's not us giving it, is it? David understood this. I don't know. If, if David would have allowed Ornan to give him these things for free, maybe, maybe it is the case that this would not have been acceptable in the sight of the Lord. You see, it's hard to speculate about what would have happened because we have an account of what did happen. What did happen is David bought it and offered it to God. If David would have taken it as a gift, it would not have been David's sacrifice any longer. It would have been Ornan's, and then the formula for alleviation from this pestilence at the wrath of God would not have been fulfilled. The formula wouldn't have worked. Just maybe we are boiling down our Christianity to a Big Ten Christianity. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. Preach, pray, Lord's Supper, sing. Preach, pray, preach, pray Lord's Supper, sing. Preach, pray, Lord's Supper, sing, and give. Sorry, I couldn't think of the fifth one. Now, there's nothing wrong with hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. There's nothing wrong with preach, pray, Lord's Supper, uh, give, and, uh, and sing. However, what if we only do it because it's convenient and we are letting other people give the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips on our behalf, and it cost us nothing. You see, we go to a worship service and we say, well, all of these other people are here, so I can just kind of phone it in. I don't have to sacrifice. I don't have to sing the way I should. I don't have to really pay attention to the sermon. I don't have to really pay attention to the Bible class. I can just grab me some cracker and juice on the way by, and I don't have to really be involved. I'm here. Everybody is telling me how good I am because I'm faithful in attendance. Everybody's telling me how good I am because I drop money in the plate. And when I leave here, I can go and I can keep my worldly friends. I can keep my worldly ways. And I can have my cake and I can eat it as well. Because I'm really offering to God, I offered to God in the first place that which cost me nothing. My life didn't really change at all when I was baptized. 
And now when I'm offering the sacrifice of praise to God continually, when I'm offering liturgical service to my master, to the God of heaven and earth, I'm just phoning it in. I'm not, I'm just, it doesn't cost me anything. I'm just punching a clock. Well, folks, it's going to go very bad for us on the day of judgment if that's the way we are. So David bought it. David paid the full price even when he didn't have to. There are going to be times in your life where you don't really have to pay the full price to follow Christianity. There's going to be times in your life where you'll be like, you know what? I can, I can stay home from church. I mean, after all, I'm, I'm, I'm part of a congregation of 500 members. Nobody's going to miss me just for one service. I'm going to stay out because of the Super Bowl. I'm going to stay out to take my grandkids to a ball game, or I'm going to, I'm going to stay out to go see my grandkids at a ball game. You're offering to God that which cost you nothing. Take up your cross and follow me. You got that. It's a sacrifice. Deborah O'Neill says Ornan's heart was right and in the right place, but then it wouldn't have been David's offering. That's exactly right, Deborah. David showed his repentance by buying the threshing floor. His humility showed. That's it. And as somebody said earlier, that's why David's a man after God's own heart. There's a character in Acts by the name of Felix. He said, come back in another convenient day. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Come back when it's more convenient. You know what convenience means, really? Convenience means it's just as easy to do as it is not to do. Christianity is not a convenience. You know, I question somebody's sincerity whenever they say, you know what, I really want to be a Christian. Oh, you've come to that realization at 1130 at night? All right, then let's get up and let's go to the water. There's a bad street in the building. Well, you know, it's, the building's 30 minutes away. Why don't we just wait till Wednesday? You know, let's say you're having a Bible study with them on Tuesday. Why don't we just wait till Wednesday? Oh, so you, want to, you only want to do it if it's convenient. So you're offering to God that which cost you nothing. Doesn't cost you nothing to go down into the water when you're already at the water. Now, that doesn't mean if you get convicted to become baptized while you're already next to water, that doesn't mean your conviction and, 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 and isn't real and your sincerity isn't there. I'm talking about a very specific situation under in a very specific circumstance. You know, you're having a Bible study with somebody, and they're like, yeah, you know, I believe you're correct. Let, I need to be baptized. I want to follow Jesus. All right. Well, I know it's 930 at night, but let's go. No, no, it's really too late today. We need to go, you know, tomorrow's Wednesday and I, and after we, and I got to get up early for work and, 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 you know, we're going to be there at the building anyway. So let's just wait. No, it cost you a little something. If it cost you something, you're going to value it more. 
you know, go to Craigslist and look at the pet section. You're not allowed to sell pets, but you are allowed to charge an adoption fee of however high you want to charge. Now, you'll have people on there that's actually selling pets. So, like, they'll have AKC, Schutzen, uh, AKC German Shepherd puppies from Schutzen uh, Level 3 certified parents, you know, $800 to $1,200 adoption fee. That's not an adoption fee. They're charging you for those puppies. But you'll run across, I have, well, just like I did, there's a, there's a Catahoula Leopard Dog Airedale Terrier crossbreed. This is our little oopsie litter of puppies. And we're giving them away for free. Well, the people that I got Maslow from didn't charge an adoption fee, but it's customary for them to do so. Now, it may just be $20, but the reason they charge, the reason people on Craigslist charge an adoption fee for these accidental puppies and these stray dogs that come up that they foster is because they want the people taking them to be bought in. They want it to mean something to them. They want you to at least stop and give $20 or $30 worth of consideration to what it means to be the owner of this dog or cat or parrot or gerbil or ferret or whatever it is. Christianity should cost. And our attitude should be the attitude of David. We should wear it like a badge of pride when we suffer for the cause of Christ. I will not offer to God that which cost me nothing. If you're an elder, make sure you're the best elder that you can possibly be. Don't be an elder just because it's convenient. Don't be an elder unless it costs you something. If you're a deacon, if it's just as easy for you to serve as it is for you not to serve, don't give that to God. Up your level of service. Up your, up your intensity and, and, and level of leadership as an elder. Up your involvement as a gospel preacher. Don't be a gospel preacher unless it costs you something. It, I'm not saying make it overly difficult. But there needs to be sacrifice involved. Well, I'm only going to be a preacher unless, if, 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 it, if it doesn't cost me anything. Now, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to try to give that service to God and the church. It, it cost me something to be a gospel preacher. I could be making a whole lot of money in other ways. It, it cost me a lot to be up here in Canada. We still don't have enough support. I, only God knows how we've made it this far. As a member of the Lord's church, don't be a member of the Lord's church if it's just as convenient, if it's just as easy to be a member as it is not. Because you'll bring the rest of the people down. And you'll offer something to God that costs you nothing. And God will not be pleased with that sacrifice. And it is my prayer that on the day of judgment, you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That you do not hear, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. And your reply will be, well, didn't I do all these things? Didn't I offer all these things? Yeah, but it, it, it didn't cost you anything. You just did your bare minimum. And that's all I've got. 
that's the challenge for us this evening. Christine says, I was baptized in a creek when I realized that I needed to be baptized. I guarantee it. There's a lot of folks that, that was baptized, especially back in the quote-unquote old days, uh, that was baptized in, in bodies of water they had to chip the ice off of. <laughs> I'm, I'm a legalistic, and I usurp my authority. I hope that I've said something tonight that would spur you onward to a deeper, more intense walk with Christ through this life. God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And sometimes that path leads us over terrain that is difficult to traverse. But the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want for anything. We're going to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. But our shepherd is with us. It's going to be difficult. His rod and his staff will comfort us. And eventually, one day, we will come through that valley of the shadow of death to this wonderful, beautiful, elevated tableland where this great smorgasbord has been prepared. This feast has been prepared. What a wonderful image. But it's going to cost us something to get there. Thank you so much for your attention. Good comments tonight. I don't think I got to all of them. Somebody, uh, heh. thank you, brother. Ever closer, and 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 as, as you as you mercy as you put that in this song, just a closer walk with thee. Granite Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Well, in order to walk with Jesus, we gotta we gotta leave some stuff behind. It's gonna cost us. So let's take a let's take a note from the from the pages of David's story, and let us not offer to God that which costs us nothing. Folks, I'm ending kind of early tonight. I hope that don't I hope that don't bother you. Um, we was told pretty early on in preaching school if you ever if you ever. Uh, if you ever wondering whether or not you're making people angry, uh, just preach some shorter sermons. <laughs> You'll never make people mad at you by preaching a shorter sermon. Um, this has been, I guess I should start closing. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations. This episode of Cogitations is brought to you by digitalbiblestudy.org. I would hope that you would support Cogitations. You can do that at www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. Or you can support digitalbiblestudy.org, or uh, you can go to digitalbiblestudy.locals.com. And um, you can also, if you're listening to this on my podcast stations, uh, in the show notes tells you how to support us. And I would say, if you know of somebody that would be looking to support a mission work, or even looking to oversee a mission work, we need a sponsoring congregation. I think that would legitimize the work up here. Uh, we would love to have an eldership oversee the work, and we would love to partner with an eldership in the states and kind of give them and discuss our long-term plans. And uh, we're, we're growing. We've grown in the last year. 
we we need a building because we've outgrown what we have um and 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 it's a good problem to have and we've grown financially where anyway i'm not going to get into all that but we still need help and uh but we won't need help very long that's that's all i'm going to say about that and uh David did not want to give that which didn't cost him, but was it a sacrifice for him? He was king and probably had great wealth. Ah, let me let me let me let me get to that comment, Connie. That's the beauty of it. It's kind of like the widow's two mites. The widow's the widow sacrificed so much more than all of these people who uh, rang the dulcimers and, and announced their presence and, and gave exorbitant, uh, exorbitant amounts. The reason that their sacrifice wasn't pleasing to God and the widow's two mites was is not because she gave all she had. Her sacrifice would have been just as pleasing if she had only given one mite. It was the attitude which, with which it was sacrificed. David, let's, so let's just say David was a billionaire. And it only cost him $10,000 to buy this. It's what God required. It's, it was still a sacrifice. And it was still the attitude with which it was done. That's the beauty. It's kind of like Mary's alabaster box of ointment. Mary's alabaster box of ointment was, depending, you know, if, we, if you want to account for inflation, I think the last figure that I did was like, could, could be roughly a $40,000 bottle of ointment. Of perfume. Well, it was a good thing that she poured it all out for Jesus. Jesus was well pleased. Let her alone. She hath done what she could. She hath wrought a good work. She offered to Jesus that which cost her something. You and me, we our alabaster box of ointment, our, our bottle of perfume might only cost a nickel. But God is just as pleased when we pour it all out. So, David's sacrifice, even though it was only a small percentage of what he had, was just as pleasing to God as somebody who would have to make a sacrifice of much more of a percentage of what they have. It's not the size of the sacrifice. It is the sacrifice itself. I think that's the idea. It's the attitude. And, and right there, yeah, right. I think the heart and the attitude are very important to God. I, I I don't know if it's very important. I think it is just the, the important. Like it's, it, it's the thing. If your heart is not right, if your attitude is not right, well, I think, I think Jonathan put in the, in the chat, but he hath showed thee, O man, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to walk humbly to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. This is reiterated in Matthew chapter 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and you leave undone the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faith. These ought you to have done and not to have left the other undone. The, the paying tithe, paying a 10% of your little garden herbs that would set on the windowsill in a planter, that was just as important as the weightier matters when it come to the tithe. In other words, these ought you to have done. 
and not to have left the other undone. So it's not about the size of the sacrifice. It's about the attitude behind the sacrifice. Some people are more privileged than others. Some people are going to have to sacrifice more. Some people are going to have to sacrifice less. But we cannot offer to God that which costs us nothing, which, which, beg, which, which demands the conclusion that if you're a millionaire and you're not get, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about money, time, effort. If you're a millionaire and you're not giving, if, if you're, if you're giving less money, time, and effort than a person who is living on a fixed income of $20,000 a year, then you need to greatly reevaluate how much you're bought in because people who are given more of them more is expected. So that's, that, that may be a podcast for another time, but I'm so glad you brought that up, Connie. All right. And God does love a cheerful giver. Um, I, I, a story comes to mind about a man who, uh, who was testifying in church and he was a multi-billionaire and he, he said, he testifies, I'm giving my testimony. He got to be said, you know, I remember, uh, just 10 short years ago, I w I came to this church and the Lord moved me to give everything that I owned and I, or every, every, every drop of money that I had and every drop of money I had, uh, it just amounted to $117 and 22 cents. But I got this job. I met this person. We come up with this product and now I'm, I'm owner of this huge company. And I'm a, I'm a multi-billionaire. And God just blesses you so much. And a little hand raised up and, and said, yes, little man. He said, why don't you do that again? You see, the, the fellow, the, the, the point of the story is, it was real easy to talk about giving everything you have when you don't have much. It's hard to give of everything, everything you have when you have a whole lot. Just something to think about. So there is nuance. There are things to discuss. Uh, you know, there's, there's stuff to consider. But if you are blessed with this world's good and you see your brother in need and you open up not your bowels of compassion to him, how dwelleth the love of Christ in you? Responsibility occurs at the merging of opportunity and ability. So if you have an opportunity to serve, if you have an opportunity to sacrifice, and you have an ability to sacrifice, then you have a responsibility to sacrifice. But let's say you're a millionaire and you see somebody that you see your brother in need, and instead of giving them and helping them, helping them out, of, out of your own pocket, even though you're a millionaire, if you drive them down to the place where you get government cheese and sign them up for food stamps and say, the government will take care of you. Well, you're kind of, you're kind of giving to God that which cost you nothing. If you walk away thinking I've done my Christian duty and that's probably all I need to say about that or else I'll get on a soapbox. Anyway, I'm going to close her down. Thank you so much for that last comment, Connie. I hope I've said something tonight that spurs you on to a, to a greater service in the Lord's kingdom. I hope I've said something that's uh, encouraged you to make you stay strong in the service that you currently give. 
Remember, let's not offer to God that which cost us nothing. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations, and we'll catch you on the flip side.